This podcast is supported by Data Miner, a real-time alert service that helps journalists uncover breaking news stories before they go viral. Want to know more? Head to dataminer.com to help your newsroom get one step ahead of the curve. I'm Marcela Kunova and this is your journalism.co.uk weekly podcast. This week, we went to France to the beautiful city of Nantes. Now, we didn't come here for holidays. We attended the Festival de l'Info Local, which is a French conference about local news sector. Now, it's a heatwave in France. It's 39 degrees as I'm talking to you. So to save you the hassle of having to battle the heatwave, I spoke to two of the, I think, best speakers from the conference. Because it was so hot, we had to get out of the venue. So please bear with us through the noise of wind and the cars behind us. What they have to say is really worth listening to. Um, good news, it's like for good food. Just have to, to watch out what you are putting in your mind and uh, try to understand where, where it comes from. So this was Anne-Sophie Novelle, freelance journalist and director of a documentary called Bad News for Media. Hi Anne-Sophie. Hi. Hey. So tell me about your documentary. How did it start? What prompted you to do it? What have you learned? It all began in 2014. Uh, I'm a freelance journalist working on uh, ecology, environment, and I was just wondering why it's so difficult to talk about that subject uh, in the media. It's uh, too difficult compared to economics or politics. And, and I've, I started to ask questions to some of my partners and other journalists, and I just realized that it was not a question of the topic I was um, dealing with, but more of the way the media were working. So I began to look at that, to say, okay, what is the problem with the media and the way, uh, and the way they are looking at the world and the question of complexity behind that and uh, the model of uh, uh, economic model of the media uh, have a weight on the way we are um, uh, watching the world as well. So, you know, when you say one of the problems can be the way media work. So what concretely is the problem? What, what do we get wrong? Too much news, uh, too depressive news, too anxious. Uh, so in London we came and we met uh, Jodie Jackson who wrote uh, a great book called You Are What You Read. And uh, she's not a journalist. So I just realized with her that uh, uh, she had a problem with the way she was re- receiving news and that one day she just stopped and said, it's not me, I'm not weak, I'm not broken. This is a media system that is not working and why? And we had the same kind of, uh, of survey together. Uh, but also I met some people at The Guardian, but also at The New York Times or at Le Monde in France and, and just asking them, what are you doing to deal with that um, question of fake news, but also the way people are just uh, rejecting news and uh, there is something broken in the system. Why? And what can we do to repair it and to fix it and to explain people that um, fast news, junk news, is like uh, junk food and fast food. Uh, we have to be careful about the way we are um, informing ourselves. We have to pick things, we have to understand them, we have to uh, find another relationship uh, with journalists as well, to find new way to talk about the world and to together, um, uh, it's a question of democracy in fact, it's, it's very strong when you think about it, about the way the media can become also something very strong at the political level, and especially after the Brexit, after the Trump election or Bolsonaro, what's happening in France right now, where journalists are invited by the police. So one of the things we get wrong is too much 
breaking negative news which yeah. put people off. But it also there is a question of trust. So question people trust. stop trust mm. media. And why, what did you find? Why is, why is that? Um, some people don't listen to the news anymore. Some listen too much and some do not know what to trust anymore. And uh, it's also a question of too depressive news. Uh, they need to be empowered as well by what they read. But this doesn't mean that we only need to talk about positive news. This is not a good solution either. Uh, we have to do some good investigation, but to go further in that investigation, to give people a new way to understand what's happening and how they can deal with that thing. And in France, it's arriving slowly as well to have this kind of, uh, of, um, of deal with the, with the public to say, okay, we will try to do our information differently, to listen to you more, to um, imply uh, the public in our survey as well. Mm -hmm. mm. So we need to do more public interest investigative journalism but also talk about solution rather than just pointing at a problem. Yeah, I think it's also a question of impact. And okay. I think that the Bureau of Investigative Journalism did a great report about that. And uh, uh, I really, really love that report because they explain, okay, we as a journalist um, basically want to do that job because we, we want to change the world for, for most of them. But what does it mean? I will not just release my report and say, okay, civil society will deal with that. No, it's a question of equilibrium. With that report, what shall we look at? And this is a question of public service. But we have to, and um, general interest, we have to keep that in mind all the time. So this doesn't mean that we have to belong to the public neither, but just to listen more and to um, make sense. Let's go back to your film, Bad News for Media. Tell me how many countries you've been to and how many journalists you spoke with, because that's quite impressive. I don't have the exact number of the people I exchanged with, but uh, basically with my research, um, for sure I've got more than one thousand uh, documents that I've um, read. Uh, I think at least 100 journalists, but the focus of the movie is mainly the country where it's easy to inform. We could do another movie in countries where we, it's, a, it's a fight to inform and there is no press freedom. So um, yes, it's a, it's a trip, a road trip, <laughs> watching at some of the solutions, but uh, we are mainly asking questions. I'm still having more questions than before because uh, it's difficult and each project has to find its own solution, but it's a lively matter. So we always have to think about it and never to be too sure of what we are doing. And, be very humble. So if there is one idea or one tip you want our listeners to know, what would that be? Um, good news is like for good food. Just have to, to watch out what you are putting in your mind and uh, try to understand where, where it comes from. And exchange with the producer and you as a consumer, take care. And uh, it's a long way. <laughs> To, to work on that, but it's a, it's a great way to, to do it again. It's like a slow food for journalism. And Sophie, thank you very much for talking to yeah. us and I look forward to catch up with you later. Thank you. <laughs> what would you do if you wanted to revisit stories from your history, from your region? Would you ask your grandma or Alexa? Well, 
I'm sitting here with Ben Krask, who is archive editor at Archant, and Ben is doing something pretty cool. Hi, Ben. Hi there. How are you doing? What exactly is an archive editor, and then what is that you're doing with Norwich News? Okay, so. My archive editor role essentially entails traditional editorial, but I focus more on nostalgic content and historical content. And newspapers are a wonderful resource for that. I mean, you capture the grassroots stories from days gone by, which tell us a bit about your family, whether that's your grandmother, whether that's people you used to know who you worked with. Newspapers offer a way to connect with that past. And so the role I'm working on is a Google Digital News Initiative project called Local Recall. And what we are doing is we are going back to October of 1870, which is when our main flagship newspaper, the Eastern Daily Press, began. And we are digitizing them. But that has been done before. What we're doing differently is we are making them voice searchable in the process. So our readers and our audience will be able to ask questions of our archives without having to go into the basement, without having to get dusty and pulling out these old newspapers. They will actually just be able to say to Alexa or Google Home, hey, what happened on this day in 1973? And so that is what the archive editor position looks like at Archie. Right, explain a little bit more what does the platform look like and who are all these people helping you digitizing all this content? Of course, so the, the local recall platform will be based uh, on an Amazon Alexa and Google Home predominantly, but there's a lot of work that goes into it before that point. So we work with scanning partners who take high resolution photographs of the newspapers. This is then fed into optical character recognition software. And this essentially generates a digital script from the images. Now, whilst OCR technology is fantastic, it's not perfect. So for instance, if uh, there are marks on the newspaper or the paper is very thin and the page below it shows through, it can throw the software. So we have to check all of the digital scripts that are created. And that's where the project becomes even more local is because we're working with members of the community who are interested in the paper. We, with our partners Ubisend, who are a technical company in Norwich, they built us a uh, community editing platform. So what volunteers will do is they create an account, they log in, and they are then presented with three random articles. So it could be a speech by Winston Churchill, it could be a, a Norwich City Football Club match report. They pick the one that interests them most. They then see before them a photo of the old newspaper and then alongside it the script which was generated by the OCR software. And what they do is they essentially cross-reference and make sure that the content reflects the accurate historical document. Once that's checked, we then check it as well to make sure there's still no errors. And that is then fed directly into the Alexa uh, and Google Home database so people can recall those stories. So how many volunteers do work at this project? At the moment we have more than 500 volunteers, which is incredible. And it was such a, it, that's been one of my favorite parts of the project is that it's, it's about connecting with people that still value newspaper stories and what that means and what it meant to them in the past as well. So we met our volunteers through various different ways, whether that's through social media recruitment in a more digital manner, but also 
in a traditional manner we've just been going to local libraries, museums, local history groups and talking to people, conveying what the project is, conveying what it's about and people are really passionate about it. Some, some of our volunteers have edited more than 1500 articles each, it's incredible and um, just being able to talk to them and about weird or funny or strange or sad stories they come across is a really important part of the project and yeah, very rewarding. Is it also something that helps you forge this local community and actually revive this interest in local news? I definitely think there is an interest in local history and local news and it helps us to create a community and we've already seen evidence that people want to revisit these old stories through for instance our Let's Talk publication which is a nostalgic magazine still circulates to 16,000 people every month and also we created a, a Norwich Remembers Facebook group which is where people can share photos, stories about Norwich and the surrounding area and that has 17,000 members. I mean it shows that there is definitely a keen interest in revisiting history and uh, I just think that we're helping to offer another way for people to access that sentiment. So essentially what you do is to make the archived content public again or accessible again for public but it also invites your community to share their own user-generated content so maybe content you were not um, you didn't have access to at the time. Of course of course and it, it's um, it's a very versatile way to do it as well because people will see a new story and there are so many different memories that you attach to that so it, it, can, it can lead to really quite rich and vivid insight into how people remember that instance and it's I think it's a great like you said a great way for community generated content to come out of it and it encourages engagement it encourages discussion online and um, just it, I think it gives people the ability to tell their own stories in relation to that newspaper archive as well which is fantastic now back to reality uh, for now you are funded by Google mm -hmm. DNA it's a yes. digital news initiative uh, obviously at some point the ground will run out what are your plans how are you going to monetize this content to keep it going of course um, and what our plans are is that the local recall platform will be a subscription model so there'll be individual subscriptions it won't it won't be a, a huge amount of money the price point is still to be determined but say it will be five pounds a month and that will generate a certain amount of income we're also looking at how we can partner with other group subscriptions so whether that's the education system local museums local libraries so they might want 10 computers in their library that have access to local recall we can work with that but also it's going to feed into our existing content strategies so it will it will give us an ability to create uh, stories about local history in new ways and offer new insights which will in, of course contribute to our papers and our advertising and so on uh, and finally it allows us to refresh our relationships with our existing clients so people that have put adverts in our papers for decades they will be able to revisit those adverts and maybe there's a hybrid advertising model where we get their adverts from the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s and say well this, this is how such and such local business has evolved over time and this is how they've changed what they're doing and I think there's so many different ways that we can take this. Thank you to our speakers. Before you go, don't forget to head to newswirewire.com and get your ticket for our upcoming Newswire conference taking place on 27th of November at Voyages in London. Until next week.